Hello, world, and welcome back to the Flow Space podcast. We've had to take a little break from, you know, Christmas, Chinese New Year, quarantine, um, but now the team is all together and we are back again at To Be Frank. Uh, thanks to our sponsor, To Be Frank, again for giving us this awesome venue. Um, they are still killing it, even though it's you know quarantine time. I guess it must be work from home, so because you know they're still heaving down here with craft beers, uh, cocktails, um, and just you know cool vibes. So, moving on to our guest today. Our guest today is Hong Kong's most brash solo climber, uh, sports climber, and slackliner Ricardo Iriate. So you met Brian three years ago, four years? Yeah, more or less. How did you guys like sort of come up? Is it on the... Common friends, common climbing friends. Yeah, so yeah. you met, what do you say? You don't really say on the slopes. You don't say on the on the face. On, on the walls, on, or the, walls. on the cliffs. Yeah. Okay, is that, and then where did you guys meet? Uh, in Hong Kong or? I think so, again, I don't really remember when or where we met Brian. Do you remember? Beacon? Okay, there you go, Beacon. Okay, so that's where um, Brian shot your little video. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's cool. Sometimes you also meet people at uh, indoor climbing games. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. Um, it's I, like quite I a quite an intimate community. Mm, yeah, yeah. If you go, if you do go to, to a climbing gym, for example, because for me, I haven't been to a climbing gym forever. For several years, I haven't been to a climbing gym. I used to go there. I used to go to climbing gym frequently, mm. but afterwards i just stopped going indoors and i only go outdoors i just find it more entertaining i think so i think once you get to a certain level so like no so it's not it's not about the level it's just personal preference i know a lot of people that climb much harder than i do much mm. much much harder things that i will never be able to climb mm. and they keep on going indoors to get stronger to train mm. to do harder Try things different things yeah, yeah and they like it i mean some people like it some people like indoors only and some people like myself we do have a preference for outdoors only. I mean, I can go indoors if I wanted to. Mm. Just that I don't really, I cannot really be bothered nowadays. That's not every time I've seen a, a video or a picture of like a bouldering gym or a climbing gym. There's not a lot of windows in those places. Here in Hong Kong, yeah. But yeah. in many other places in the world, you even have uh, almost outdoor bouldering gyms. Yeah. I mean, indoors, That's but fun. but yeah, with glass panels and stuff. So That's lovely. That's a yeah. little bit more, I imagine. Do you climb or not? No, I think it's something that if I did more of, would probably have fun doing. But um, I mean, I've done rope wall climbing but mm -hmm. not any outdoor i don't really know any of the terms for okay. uh, <laughs> for climbing these guys are talking about trad climbs and uh, track climbs um but i mean yeah i don't even know where to start with uh, how would you describe yourself as a climber just a random normal climber <laughs> the only difference is that sometimes i do things solo without a rope mm -hmm. which is something that 99.9% .9 of climbers in the world will not do, will never do, or have never done. Yeah. And that's the only difference. How long then has it taken you to become a solo climber? It's not that it takes you a certain time. It's just sometimes you feel like you, you want to do something solo, and mm. when you feel ready, you do it. When you have no doubts about what you're going to do, about your own capabilities, your own abilities, you go and do it. That's, well... 
it's easier said than done, I think. But like, let's. I want to go back. I want to go back. Like, how did you get into climbing? Like, where did it all sort of begin? I know that you're from Mexico, and uh, I've seen a little video, um, but not other. Not everyone else has, so I want to know a little more. I, like, like I said in the video, I started mountaineering in between quotation marks. Not really mountaineering because it's not like technical mountaineering like on the Alps or in the Himalayas. <laughs> it was just hill walking, glorified hiking. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and I started doing some climbing in Scotland when I went on exchange there. So actual rock climbing with ropes. Mm. I really liked it. I went back to Mexico and I started doing it a little bit more often, but my main focus remained the mountains and the hill walking. And then when I came here, since there's no real mountains, we only have hills yeah. and <laughs> not very entertaining at that. Then I found out that there was actually a lot of rock climbing here, very accessible. I mean, Beacon Hill is 10 minutes from the nearest road. Mm. Sorry, 10 minutes from the nearest NTR station. So I started focusing more and more and more on rock climbing. And that's what I do nowadays. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's funny that you say um, that Hong Kong has hills. Because I mean, before I moved back, I was living in Singapore. And, and it's kind of flat, Singapore right? It's totally flat. Like your highest mound is like 70 kilometers or 70 meters above sea level. Mm. So it's nothing. It's like really tiny. So when I come back yeah. here, I'm like, oh, wow, we got, I think they're mountains. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what, what kind of mountains. I think that the, the definition of mountain is a little bit geograph geographically dependent. In the UK, it's the same. The highest mountain in the UK is less than a kilometer high. Mm. It's less than Lantau Peak or Tai Mo Shan. Yeah. But then again, you have technical mountaineering, technical alpine climbing in the UK. Whereas here in Hong Kong, you may have hills, mountains that are <laughs> higher than those in the UK, but there's no technical mountaineering whatsoever in Hong Kong. Mm. And again, back to the geograph geographical differences. In Mexico, we only consider a mountain as higher than 4,000 meters. Oh, gee, okay, there's because no mountains to here. Because to start with, most of the central area of the country is already at 2,000 meters above the level of the sea. Mm. We live, we spend our lives at that height. So if we want to go to a mountain, then we need to consider that you're, you're already living in what most of the rest of the world would consider already a mountain, mm. at the height of a mountain. Oh, wow. <laughs> Does that make like conditions then more difficult to climb or is that... Mm, or is no really it real it depends. So some people cannot handle the height. Yeah. It depends on where you were born, your liberal fitness, your lifestyle, etc. Of course, people born and bred and living at sea level will have a little bit of a hard time adjusting to being at heights. But again, depending on your lifestyle, you may adapt very easily or you may never adapt. You may have headaches, you may have like, uh, nausea, mm. vomiting, etc. Depends. If you're weak, just kidding. No, <laughs> um, weakness doesn't really matter. It's <laughs> about being fit. Yeah, that's yeah. what I meant. Okay. No, I'm just... <laughs> um, but yeah, no. Um, then you, so you went to Scotland mm -hmm. um, and you learned how to rock climb in Scotland. Yep. Scotland to me is probably maybe one of the like dampest, coldest, uh, windiest it is, places. It is, it is, but that makes the climbing all the more interesting. Yeah, you gotta have real sticky hands. No, I mean, it's just that you, you just deal with it. Y y if you wanna climb, you have to deal with the weather. Mm. 
Mm. Scottish weather is infamous, yes, yeah. but it makes for conditions that you don't get anywhere else. It makes you go for it. Mm. it yeah, like I said, mountains in Scotland are super short, so to say, mm. but conditions can make a rock face into a challenge that you cannot get anywhere else. Scottish conditions are famous for that. There's even the Scottish grades for mountaineering, if, I'm if, if I remember correctly. Conditions that you cannot replicate anywhere else because of the damn weather that they have in Scotland. Yeah, no, it's so... It's just... I mean, it's not the most friendly of weathers, no, definitely. But it's a beautiful country anyway. And, and I like the hill walking and the mountaineering there better because of the scenery and because you can actually get lost. Mm. You can be in the middle of nowhere which is something that you cannot really do here in Hong Kong. Yeah, no, I mean, that's here true. you can get lost in the middle of, of the jungle. This is temporary though, isn't it? You yeah, <laughs> you're very close to civilization here in Hong Kong, whereas in Scotland at least, and in Mexico as well, in the mountains of Mexico, you can get lost. Yeah, that's, that's something that I really like. Yeah, and it sounds... I mean, I guess it'll be more fun to get lost for others than for, than for some than for others. Yeah, of course. Um, but I think, you know... What was it like in Scotland? What was your crew like? Because I imagine, I, I mean, rock climbing, you kind of trust in, or you put your trust in other people, you like, you know, they sort of encourage you, do this, do that. What was it, what was I it like getting started? In I was a beginner, so of course I was a little bit scared, and I don't really remember if there was such thing as a crew. I was in the mountaineering union of the university. Okay. So it was just like a school a club. Yeah, I'm. I I don't know if I would I would call it a crew, because also I was there only like six months. Oh. Yeah, it, it was only a, a one semester exchange. So oh, that's really quick. So you. Yeah, I wish I could have stayed longer, but they didn't let me. So. Oh, what did you do? Nothing. I mean, that okay. was just <laughs> typically exchanges are only six months. So. Oh, I see. <laughs> when you say they didn't let me, it was like. Yeah, oh because gee. I mean, <laughs> I would. Ha I I asked, hey, can I extend my my exchange for a whole year? No, cannot. Oh, wow. So you must so have picked it up quite, quite quick then, considering if that's six months. Mm, I mean, the, just the basics. I mean, of course, I would only top rope. I would only go when the rope was already threaded through the anchors at the top. I mean, mm. I was just learning. Yeah. yeah. But it was enough to hook me. Yeah, that's the beginning. That's sort of where it all starts, right? Yeah. So then after your six months... Well, it was how long? Well, when was when was this? September two thousand and eight. Okay. Uh, January two thousand and nine. Yeah. Nice. Mm -hmm. Then, then after that, <coughs> you continued on to where? Did you Mexico. come here? No, I oh, mean, went I went back to Mexico and I lived there until two thousand and eleven. Yeah, two thousand and eleven. Cool. Yep. And then you, I, I just assume that you like, I fell in love with climbing and then you go home and you like seek out other climbers or mm -hmm. other routes. Mm -hmm. um, that's nice. So you have a, so do you have a community back home of, of people that you've sort of learned or developed with? Or have you just done this sort of, this has been your own little like life goal? Well, there was a crew, so to say, at one of the climbing gyms that I used to go to very often. But I mean... Yeah, you train with them, and sometimes you go out climbing with them, but I honestly didn't become that close of friends with them. Mm. Yeah, and it's, it's been almost 10 years, so 
had I don't I don't have them on Facebook. <laughs> I, I, I didn't <laughs> even have Facebook back, back then. Yeah. I had Facebook for I'm the first time when I yeah when I arrived here in Hong Kong, and a friend actually opened it up for me. Yeah, <laughs> Hong Kong. I, sp- I feel like it's just such a social place. That like you know, if you don't have Facebook or if you don't have Instagram, people are like, "Are you even human?" Mm-hmm. You just sort of or not. Con- yeah, they, they, you're just not connected. In, yeah. In, in some ways that people are connected. Yeah, it seems like it seems like there's a a trend here with you. You do like to get away from it all, like uh, climbing, <laughs> solo climbing. It's in it's in the name itself. Yeah, but sometimes I just go soloing because I want to go somewhere and nobody is available or nobody wants to go there mm. or everyone is saying ah, it's conditions are not good. It's too hot. It's too wet, etc., etc. So you say, well, either I stay home and do nothing or do some random stuff. Or I go soloing because hmm. I want to go climbing. Hmm. So then I just go out and climb on my, on my own. Man waits for nobody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you? And then I'm guessing. Well not I'm guessing. But have you always been like sort of just driven by, I guess, your own? How do I? What do I say? You're just just driven to do your own thing. You have sort of this vision for yourself. How, wh- where does it come I from? I don't know if I have a vision for myself, but yeah, I, I mean, if I want to do something and I can do it, then I will try to do it. Right. Sometimes I am lazy, sometimes I don't motivate myself to do, th- to do things, but when I do motivate myself, then I just go and do it. Crazy things seem to happen by the sounds of things. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the, the climbing community here, um, how has that, I mean, you've been here now like eight years. Yeah, mm-hmm. you've been here eight years, so you're a resident. Yeah. Yeah, so how has the, I mean, I, I moved back a few years ago, and uh, I, I was sort of like, I want to be a martial artist, I want to be a martial arts. So I like, indulge myself into this community, and at the time it was really small, like, I feel like you basically know everyone who is within the community who mm-hmm. does anything, mm-hmm. at whatever level. Um, I'm not a climber, but obviously you are, so um, what has that community been for you or like for you or how do you sort of see um, how do you sort of see it and its purpose and as just a solo it's just, <laughs> just, a, just a community I mean people like-minded people usually people that go out and climb as a group it's just there yeah yeah okay I mean I don't really have any opinion about it no, because I mean, at least uh, when it comes to like, let's say, let's say martial arts, like you get some people, I would even say uh, that take, the, take it very seriously, but yeah, um, the level maybe isn't very high or the standard as well isn't very high, but mm. yeah, they take it very seriously, like, uh, like safety, blah, blah, blah. obviously safety should come first, but um, like... At least I feel like with our community, there isn't a lot of like policing and there isn't a lot of like gossip um, and there isn't just a lot of, I don't know. Um, what's it like for a climber where like uh, the standards of safety are very conservative and you are like just doing your thing? Is that been like an issue in the past? Or? Yes, it's been an issue, but... Uh, I, already, I already learned my lesson I just shouldn't mind about what a lot of people say because mm. otherwise I just get a little bit depressed mm. years ago there was a little bit of a fiasco regarding my 
climbing style. So nowadays, I, and then it happened again after my soloing of this relatively hard route some weeks ago. I I haven't even oh, I, I didn't even open Facebook. I knew that there was a lot of shit going down, people criticizing me. Mm. I also knew that some of my friends were defending me, and I already thanked them. But I haven't actually read the comments that people were criticizing me. With. Honestly, sometimes if uh, if you sort of know the gist of it, it's not really worth the read. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sometimes, however, so um, I had a look at them this post, and I was kind of laughing about how. Yes, uh, it is. Hila- it is it hilarious, but it's at the same time annoying. People mm. that don't know me, I don't know many of those people, and they are criticizing me as if they knew mm. what I do intimately. Mm. They have no fucking idea. Oh. They have no idea, and they don't know me as well. Mm-hmm. They don't know what kind of person I am. Brian knows me pretty decently. Mm. Other people know me pretty decently. If they want to say something about me, then at least they have some basis to what mm. they are saying. But many of those people have absolutely no idea. This is why I found that. Um, that's this is why I think I was laughing at, at the post was because I don't know my outlook on someone like yourself is that you know you clearly know your abilities. You clearly know yourself. Um, and you know you've been doing it long enough to feel like you know you're you're a big guy you do your thing you're old enough to look after yourself right and if you think okay i'm gonna you know like this sort of goal or this achievement is just like right there i want to unlock it if you think you could grab it so grab it i don't know it just it does when i was laughing at the post was just like you know who's 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 this chick? She's yeah, like fearing, I, I know. writing these descriptions. I know. <laughs> I'm I know. sorry, whoever troll was out there, if you're listening, but that, that's um, why I didn't even bother reading the comments. Yeah, because it already, ha- like I said, it already happened years ago. Same people, mostly, were criticizing me back then, as in right now. So I'm not gonna bother. Yeah, I already lost a lot of sleep over it years ago. No, I'm not gonna r- lose more sleep over it right now. No, that's awesome. Yeah, that's I'm just going to keep doing my thing. If they like it, okay. If they don't like it, also okay. Up to them. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, what? that's like one side of it, right? And I think that's not even the major psychological challenge dealing with other people. I think what you do, how you put yourself out there and how you climb, that, I imagine, would be the major psychological challenge. Um, what happens you know, like, uh, at least for me, like, I've already had a few uh, amateur fights, but every time it's like your fight, you sort of know, all right, someone's going to hit me in the face, I'm going to hit them in the face, I'm going to maybe get hurt, but the idea is I'm going to hurt them. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, this is cool. And then it's over in five minutes or 10 minutes or whatever it is, but it's over in like no time at all. And uh, if I want to, I can stop the fight by going, oh, no more, <laughs> stop hitting mm-hmm. me <laughs> if I want to. But with you, this is a different. It's a different beast, like... Uh, yeah, I mean, different sports. You can't really compare martial arts. I don't even know what kind of martial arts you do. Oh, just like a mixture of them all. But it's still, there's a mindset, I think, that you need to have to go into, like, uh, physically stressful situations. Mm. And even though you're not getting hit in the face, you are sort of like dangling off the side of a cliff. <laughs> yes, but it's not like physically stressful or at least it shouldn't be. If you are doubting your capabilities, then yes, it will be a stressful situation and I don't think you should do it. Mm-hmm. Because doubting yourself 
is what will actually kill you. It's what will actually make you fall. It's what will make you not commit to the move, mm. to do a half-assed move, and then increasing the probability of missing the hold or making your foot slip, I don't know, and then falling and dying. So mm. I'm, I'm not sure if you, when you, when I solo, I don't know if I put myself through physically stressful situations. You would put yourself through a bit of a mentally stressful situation before mm. you start. Mm. When you're analyzing yourself, you're having a conversation with yourself thinking, okay, should I do it? Yes, no. Why yes, why no? Because of this, because of that, because of this, because of that. But when you are, when you actually decide to go and do it, you are not into any stress. Mm. You shouldn't be into any stress, either physically or mentally. Because mm. otherwise, the chances that you're going to die doing it are increased, so you better not do it. If there's the slightest doubt, don't do it. Mm. It's the same kind of with fighting. Like, um, but you know when you're going to be fighting, you're, you know that you're going to be in pain. You know that you're going to be kicked in the ass. But it's also just equally as important to remain calm. Yeah. And also be go in very calm, keep your heart rate nice and low. Even though you're going to be like, oh, I'm going to punch you. You have to be super relaxed in order to like stay fluid and be able to react. Mm -hmm. um, I guess the difference is that maybe there's a few more steps that come in between participating and dying <laughs> than just falling off. Yeah. <laughs> like there's a few more steps in there. Although the good thing is that apparently, I don't know, and I don't want to know, if you fall and you do die, it's going to be almost instantaneous. Oh God. So at, at least there's not going to be any pain, at least. Okay. <laughs> maybe you have heard about one of the foremost soloists of our generations, Alex Honnold. He said, he said it himself, if I slip and if I fall down from one of his major solos on one kilometer high cliffs, cliffs he has said, if I do fall, it's going to be the worst three seconds of my life. But that's it. Because mm. that's the time it's going to take for him to fall and go splat. <laughs> and that's it. But it's not going to actually hurt. Right. You know, they say that when you know that you're going to die, your brain shuts itself down. Mm. They say. And apparently it's like the most like euphoric feeling in the world. Yeah. So <laughs> it's not that you're in pain or in physical stress when you're sewing. Oh you know these consequences, but at least apparently <laughs> it's not going to hurt. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's uh let's touch wood and not find yeah. out anytime soon, yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. The, what terrifies me actually is actually surviving yeah. And <laughs> being paralyzed, being a vegetable for the rest of my life. Yeah. That's something that does make me stay up in, in bed at night and thinking, oh, should I, should I do this? Yeah. Shouldn't I? That's also something that my mother keeps on telling me. Don't do that because if you don't die, if you survive after a fall, you may end up like, like a vegetable. That is the scary part. I recently yeah. had, and it wasn't even as like that serious, but I had a neck injury. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was like squishing on my spinal cord. But... With that much information, that little information I had, yeah. I was so concerned. I was so paranoid. Mm -hmm. Obviously, everything is fine. Um, there's no problem. It's really not that bad. But um, that's some serious perspective that I think you need to have. Um, and also, I don't know, what, what's your thoughts on mindfulness? Define mindfulness, please. Um, like being, I guess, aware of the things around you, but still sort of 
having the ability to keep control over any sort of like internal turmoils that that might kick off, if that makes sense. Like, uh, in, I don't know. How would you describe mindfulness? That's what I was asking, because I've never huh. really known what's the definition for that term. So. I don't know the actual definition, but I think my understanding of it would be that, like, say if you react to something like an uh, external stimulus uh, and you react emotionally, I think mindfulness is the ability to be like, oh, actually realize that this is the stimulus coming in and going, oh, I can't, if I react emotionally it won't necessarily be a good thing. So having the mind full in making a decision. But wouldn't that just be self-control? Or I guess. In keeping a cool head? I guess. But they've got a word for it now. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I suppose so. Oh, we've got it. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Damien. Okay, here we go. Mindfulness. A noun. The quality or state of being conscious or aware of something. There we go. A mental state achieved by focusing one's awareness on the present moment while calmly acknowledging and accepting one's feelings, thoughts, and bodily sensations used as a therapeutic technique. Here you go. Thank you. You'll learn things today. <laughs> um, but yeah, so what would your sort of take on beyond mindfulness? I don't really have any take. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it is there. So, yeah, apparently it's very important for sewing. <laughs> keep, keep on being calm and that's it. Yeah. So now, yeah, exactly. It's going to be your new new buzzword. Maybe put it on your LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> Mindfulness practitioner. <laughs> that sounds too, too new agey. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's definitely something that I imagine is uh, you put a lot of work in. And at least for me, like, I'm, I'm quite an emotional person, very mm -hmm. expressive. Um, so mindfulness is something that I have to really put effort into sometimes. Um, clearly, maybe not for you. <laughs> you seem to have a really good control. Uh, for sometimes, yes, but for some other things, uh, I've been told that I should control my emotions better. Okay. Yeah. Well, what, how, how does, does it, have you ever sort of felt like your climbing has been affected and how are some of the ways that you're able to like put certain things aside in order to not compromise your performance or your abilities? Mm, don't really understand what I mean. Like, um, are there any, like, what would you say are your common practices for, like, say if you're preparing for a big climb and you think... You're like, mm, am I going to solo it? Am I going to not? Uh, what are some of the things that you do to sort of regain control over the way that you feel towards trying it or not trying it? I don't really have ways. What I It's not that I just want to solo out of the blue. First, usually there's a route that I have already done with a rope many times or several times at least. And it turns out that the route has some very nice moves. And I feel that those moves would be nice to do without a rope. But before that, before considering that, I need to check if the route is soluble in that there's no objective dangers. What we call objective dangers, meaning loose rock or 
it's permanently wet or it is at a very busy area and there's always distractions, there's always noise, things that could break your focus, things like that. It's not that there is a process, at least for me, there is no process when I'm going to solo a route. It's merely the fact that I need to check the route, need to see if there's no objective dangers to it, see if I am fit enough to do the route, see that there is absolutely no move that is going to have a chance, that there's going to be a chance that I'm going to fall at. And that's about it. Hmm. I mean, may, it's not the... I don't solo that often. Mm. I don't solo as much as people think I solo. No, believe me, I don't solo that often. I solo from time to time. But I always solo things that are way below my level. That's what makes my most recent solo extraordinary, if you want, <laughs> in that it's near my limit. Mm. That route that I soloed two or three weeks ago was near my limit. Mm. It's nowhere as easy as other routes that I have soloed before. Mm. This was the hardest route I've ever, I have ever soloed. I don't know if it's the hardest route I will ever solo. Mm. But I had already been preparing for it for a very, very long time. Mm. So that's why I decided to just do it. Mm. I had already set up the goal of soloing it this past winter. And since we didn't really have a winter yeah. two <laughs> weeks ago when I saw that conditions were good and that probably we would be having those conditions again, I said, okay, let's go and do it. Mm. And I did it. Well, congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. What was that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, honestly. Yeah. But that's not the video of the solo. No. <laughs> no, I know. I was looking at that wall when I first, when, he, when he, there's like a pan of the wall, mm -hmm. I'm like, what the heck is that guy even grabbing onto? I'm like, how do you grab onto rock like this? <laughs> if, you, if you were there, you would see the holes. Oh my God. And if, you, if you're a climber, you start noticing. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah this, I mean, I remember when I first started, I would get on walls that I would be like, now where do I grab? <laughs> the hole is right there. And you look at it and you swear there's nothing there. <laughs> yeah, it looks but, like... But with yeah. experience, you actually realize that, yeah, there's actually something here and I can grab it in this way. If I move my body in a certain way, then mm. I can grab it better. Or if I move it here, then it becomes crappier. Here it becomes easier. It depends. Mm. Just experience. Yeah, in the same way that I, 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 I wouldn't be able to, ta to take on a round, a uh, mixed martial arts round, after the first kick, I would probably mm. be out. I but was with thinking some experience, that you learn how to endure or, I don't know, overcome the kicks that you receive, right? Mm. Same mm. here. With experience, you learn how to grab on things that otherwise you wouldn't be able to grab. But just look at it, it's flat. No, it's not. Okay. Believe me, that's the, ca that's the camera. But it's not, it's not flat, believe me. This is flat. This is something yeah, that you cannot grab at all. But there's a lot of little, little holes, rugosities, little thingies. I mean, later you will see that I do a move in which I grab like, like this. Yeah. And that's what many of the holes are like. That's insane. Just experience, believe me. Yeah. Just experience. Yeah. He can do those moves. A lot of people here can do things much harder than this. Much, 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 much harder. Still, this is way, way above my uh, my knowledge. So, very impressive. What was it like sort of getting up to the top for the first time without a rope? Were you like, okay, oh, cool, done it now? Yeah, I started screaming, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. It was something that I had been, again, training for, dreaming about for a very long time, almost two years. Wow. So, yeah. 
Oh, nice. So is it something that you've sort of taken yourself through millions and millions of times in your head? Yep. Oh, what a lovely feeling. <laughs> yeah. How pumped were you for after? Uh, how long after you'd finished your... Define pumped. Pumped like Because in, in climbing, we call the pump the exhaustion that you feel after finishing or when you cannot really do a move mm. and you fall off and your your forearms are exploding and you cannot grab anything else because you're pumped that's what we call being pumped okay so this definition of pump would be like uh hyped like mm. how like happy were you yeah i was very very happy very, yeah very very happy when i got <laughs> to that final hold i started screaming yes yes and holding with both hands and <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. That's so it, awesome. It was really, really nice. Because once you grab that hold, you're like, okay, that's it. I knew it. that the, the previous move it. is the scary one because it's a little bit of a throw. Mm. And the left hand is a little bit bad. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, you know that's the moment of truth. You know that's the one. You know that's the, that's the hold. Once you reach it, that's it. You're done. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And you still have to get up the wall and then down climb another route. But once you got grab that one, you're like, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> I'm happy. Finally. <laughs> it paid off. Finally. Oh, that's yeah. so cool. Yeah, no, big congratulations to Thank you. you. That must feel really awesome. It was nice. Have, um, when, wait, when was this? This is a few weeks ago. Yeah, on the 18th of February. Hey, oh, you got the date then, like date everything. <laughs> Aww. I actually saw it on the video <laughs> yesterday. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no that's so good Thanks. have you um are you sort of sorry are you like uh just enjoying your victory or have you already started thinking about something next it's i mean it's not that you're enjoying your victory you just you're just happy you did it you're just happy that something that you were thinking about and preparing for for such a long time finally paid off finally you did it Maybe someday I will do it again. Maybe I will never do it again. But at least I already did it. Hmm. I can say I've already done it. I have done something that no one else has done. Probably no one else will ever do. Hmm. Something that no one else dares to do. I did it. I finally did it. I said to myself and I said to other people as well, I'm going to do it. And finally I delivered. Yay! (laughs) So... That, that that makes me happy. It's not that I'm basking in victory, but at mm. least I'm, it makes me happy that I put my money where my mouth was. Yeah, I was just <laughs> thinking, a man of his word. Yeah, finally. Yeah. finally. I, I didn't have to say to people later, yeah, I didn't do it. Or, no, nah, I chickened out. Nah. Oh, that's awesome. No, that's, that's so good. Um, I love... Let me just give you this back. Thank you. Um, no, I think those kind of feelings, they're just uh, like irreplicable like mm-hmm. you just can't yeah. create them again you have to yeah, you have you to cannot, earn them you, you have cannot. to work and you can't even explain to people what you feel when you get up there yeah it's something you can only experience when you actually do it yeah i mean maybe when you kick someone's ass someone that has <laughs> beaten you for so many times when you finally overcome them maybe yeah. you will feel something similar but i don't know i'm not a fighter so <laughs> yeah i think uh, i think you're onto something i think um well like i said the i think the big difference there is that um it's not a question of life and death mm-hmm. for me it's a question of win or lose yeah whereas you know woo, you did it you didn't mm-hmm. die <laughs> um are there lots of routes in hong kong then that um are potential or is this the hardest 
of the roots to solo. They want not. It's just the, the hardest that I have personally soloed, but right. there's so many other routes that you could theoretically solo on your own. Right. It depends on you. It depends on your abilities. Mm. Again, there's people that climb much harder than I do, and if they wanted to, they could solo many of those routes. There's people that can do that. There's people I know people that have unsighted, meaning that they have done this route that I did for the first time ever without falling. Mm. That means that they are strong enough. Mm. And I have seen them unsighting other things, climbing routes that are much harder than anything I've ever done on the first go, mm -hmm. without any information, without knowing how to do the route. And I've seen them just hike them up. Hmm. So they could solo whatever they wanted. Hmm. It's just that they don't want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just rather not risk it, I guess. Um, is there anything, so you've been climbing like a decade plus. Um, is there anything that climbing has sort of taught you uh, that's sort of applicable through other areas in your life? Yeah, I don't know. Or any like, I don't know, because there's a lot of, let's say, for example, in our gym, uh, especially with jujitsu people, I always find jujitsu people have ways of being like, life is like jujitsu because in life you'll feel trapped, but you always need to look for an escape or something like this. <laughs> Some kind of life lesson from yeah. uh, the activity that you do. Is there any of that? I don't. I don't know. Honestly, maybe, maybe someone looking at me as a third person, as a third party, looking at me interacting with other people, looking at my life, I don't know, maybe they would say, yeah, I have seen this in your climbing. Mm. This is this part of your climbing is in your daily life and vice versa, I don't know. But mm. Mm, that's something that I'm not really aware of. Mm. Maybe being a little bit headstrong, maybe. Mm. I don't know. But do you think maybe the qualities that you already had? I don't know if those qualities were there already from the beginning or climbing taught them to me or gave me those qualities. I don't, I really don't know. Again, that's something that you should ask Brian or mm. people that have, uh, that have interacted with me more often. Mm. <laughs> I, I, I don't think I can say, yes, climbing has taught me this. Yes, climbing has taught me that. Oh, it's just a part of you, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah something that I like to do, something that you could say defines me because I try to climb as much as possible. Yeah. If I don't climb, I become restless. Ah. I also do slacklining and highlining. I was just about to bring this up. I was going to say, that's not the only thing you do. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm still a climber at heart. I mean, I do love slacklining and climbing, mm. slacklining and highlining and waterlining and longlining and other kinds of lining. Mm. But I still remain a climber. I, st I, I climb more than I slackline. Mm. I slackline maybe once or twice a week these past weeks I haven't slacklined at all because mm. <laughs> I've been just climbing so much since there's very little work yeah the co <laughs> the, everything is closed nobody is sending me things to do so I just go out climbing this is I think the best time <laughs> yeah. for uh, a person like yourself because you know with the virus around there's no everyone's working from home or yeah. there's just no work yeah. so <laughs> you know like so I just go out climbing yeah <laughs> it's awesome we should uh COVID-19, I think, the rest of the year, maybe. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I, I'm very curious if people are actually going to see what are the advantages of home working after the crisis is over. And are they going to demand changes? Are they going to tell their employers, hey, 
it works when、mm-hmm. I work from home. Can we have some kind of arrangement, half a week from home, like what they do, as far as I know, in Northern Europe? Yeah, flexible working schedules. Two days a week or yeah, something. Yeah, something、home. like that. I, I mean, maybe it's just a pipe dream. Probably knowing what's the HK working culture, probably it's not going to happen. But what if? Yeah, it would be amazing if it did. That would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. maybe people would be more relaxed. Maybe. Oh, that would be that'd be a dream, I think, for Hong Kong. I don't know if people <laughs> even have relax in their yeah like di- dictionary or, or yeah in the in, in the vocabulary agenda. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It is very go 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 here.、Um, but one of my friends who is in human resources for like a, a big bank、mm-hmm. has has considered bringing it up because even though there's like not a lot of work coming in, people are still being really productive.、Uh, the meetings that they have are very concise and.、Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It is a. It's definitely a topic of discussion. I yeah, think, I mean, it, I would suggest people like your friend bringing it up. If they have the power, the position to actually bring it up and be listened, then yeah, do it. Apparently, it works. Apparently,、mm. apparently. I think, didn't they put it? They enforced it in、uh, Japan, in Microsoft, in Japan for、uh, I don't remember how long a period, but they saw. Pr- Productivity go up like forty percent or something like this. Then if, if it does work, then why hasn't the rest of Japan adopted it? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so they're like, no, we、yeah. need to continue I mean, to make ha- money. If we have seen this、uh, example of Northern Europe, Sweden, etc., working, working out, then why not adopt it here? It's just that people, conservatism, conservative mindsets. I I would assume. I don't know. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't had a full-time job, a nine-to-six job in how long? Almost six years. So. Oh wow. Yeah. What what you're translating、mm-hmm. yeah. for? Which languages again? Well, I can do Spanish, English, French, Italian, and Portuguese. Oh wow. But only into、uh, Spanish and English. Okay. Yeah, I can do all those languages into Spanish and English. I like that. As soon as you arrived, you straight away clocked Damien and were like speaking Spanish to him. Well,、like、because I heard his accent. <laughs> <that's> okay. <why. laughs> same, I mean, pretty sure that. I mean, I've seen it. When there's a very definite accent there, you、yeah. just know that that person speaks this language. Yeah. <laughs> very often, I mean, with the amount of French people around here in Hong Kong, sometimes、okay. they address me in English, even though I don't know. Just by hearing them speak, just three three words, I really know that they speak French as their mother tongue. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. Some accents are quite easy to identify. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Well, wait. So, how long are you got? Other climbs on the horizon? Are you trying anything new? Or、yes. any slack lines coming up? Because aren't you like the head of your slack line community over here, or like main driver at least? If you want to call me that, thank you. But <laughs> thing is that the community here in Hong Kong for, cli- for sorry for slack lining is almost non-existent.、Oh. Almost. There's only three, four people doing it regularly. Okay. Before we had more people, but、uh, they just either became disenchanted with it, or they had kids, or they started doing something else. So slowly, people started drifting away, drifting away. But nowadays, there's、mm. only three or four people that are regularly there that own their own lines.、Mm. And as for highlining, I am. One of only three people in Hong Kong that actually has a full or semi-full set of equipment for rigging Highline safely. Oh, yeah. A Highline and a slackline. How are they different? A slackline is any webbing set up at more or less ground level. Okay. 
or even some meters high in case of long lines, because if, if you have a long line, if you have a 100 meter long line, you need to have your anchors that are three or four meters high so that it doesn't touch the ground in the middle. Wow. Yeah. 100 meters is a long slack line. Yeah, but it's not the longest one, believe me. Oh, wow. They, they, they can be much longer, much, much, much longer. Oh my gosh, your balance must be insane. Eh, more or less. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm just thinking like you're great at climbing, amazing balance. I think you'd be really good at jujitsu. <laughs> Maybe. The problem is that I don't have the strength. Um, I think you'd be surprised at how much strength you would have, especially if you can hold your body weight through your fingertips. Things that uh, I'm also I'm also very light. And people can actually carry me very easily. So I wouldn't be able to actually use my weight to overcome somebody or dominate. What's the term you use to I guess, uh, take do down, Yeah, dominate? take down, dominate. I wouldn't be able to do it. I mean, people can actually lift. I, I may wrap my arms or limbs around someone, but then actually try to take them down. I don't have the mass no, to bring them you down. Gotta, you, got the, you got the smarts, especially with like rock climbing. You're all about where am I putting my pressure? Where am I putting my weight distribution? It's a lot of... So well, if, you, out if, like if you could teach me, if you want to teach me, I would be interested to yeah, try it out maybe. I think, you, I think you could take to it. I don't know. My personal... Personally, I think you would. Yeah, why not? Yeah, that'd be really cool. Check it out. Let's see. We should do a trade. I, was, I won't... I don't know. I think I'd prefer to slack line than hurt my fingers. <laughs> you don't hurt your fingers, honest. Yeah. You, you don't hurt your fingers. Okay. No. I mean, if, of course, if you actually jump on a route where you know that there's nasty holes that you're not ready for, then yes, you are going to injure your fingers. Mm. But if you're a beginner, then of course, we'll put you on very easy routes that have super kind holes. Nice. So believe me, you wouldn't hurt your fingers. What are some of the? What would you say are the, some of the your favorite routes then in Hong Kong? Your favorite places to climb? Beacon Hill, Lion Rock during winter. During summer, it's impossibly hot. You mm. cannot go up there unless you want to die of heat exhaustion. <laughs> but you're Mexican. You should still, be good with the sun. Still, I mean, we have. It's like saying, yeah, you're a Chinese. You're yeah. good with whatever <laughs> weather. Yeah, you have all types of weather in China. Say yeah. in Mexico. In Mexico, you have deserts. You have the, the coasts. You have high mountains. It depends where you are from. Right. Yeah. There's plenty of places in Mexico where I wouldn't be able to live because they're even hotter than here. Oh, gee. Yes. There's places in Mexico where the average temperature during winter is 40 degrees. Oh, Sorry, gee. during summer. Oh, and gee. during winter, in between 25 and 30. Oh, so God, that's, that's still really high. That's I know. Like a, I know. Oh, my goodness. I know. I wouldn't be able to live there. I don't want to go there. I, I've never been there, and I don't want to ever be there. So. No, I think, uh, I think it's a different breed of human. Yeah. Personally, personally I, don't, I, I don't know how I have been able to survive here in Hong Kong for eight years. <laughs> well, thankfully, we have cool periods like this. Yes, but I wish they were longer. I know. It's only, it's only like two, three months out of the year, and it's like, oh, Damn it. I feel like it's getting, getting warm again. Well, yes, yeah. it's getting warm again. You, it, it, I mean, we're already having warm days, right? Last week we had some warm days. You're like, fuck this. Really? I, I, it's, we're still officially in winter yeah. and it feels like late spring already. Yes, no, I agree, but I kind of like it. <laughs> Thank you. But I mean, it's relatively okay. The problem is when you are out there, yeah. when you are not indoors, when you are not within reach of air conditioning. <laughs> Believe me, it's not nice. Yeah, it's not. Last time Brian and I went to Lion Rock and we were cooking ourselves on the approach and also while hanging on the wall because it's right under the sun, no shade at all, you cannot escape. Oh, gee. Yeah. When was this? When were you guys out there? Last week, yeah. Oh. He, oh, sent, so he sent his other project, but he sent it to us 
not forever, but yeah, it's a, it's another route that I was trying to do with a rope for a long time, and I just wanted to do it without falling. Mm. I mean, do it from the anchor to the next anchor without falling. I wanted to do it before it got even warmer. I knew that that place is impossible when it gets warm. So, because I've been there, I've made the mistake several times in previous years of going up there in the middle of summer, and mm. no. Like, no, no. Not this time, Mother Nature. Yeah. <laughs> so, like I said, Beacon Hill, Lion Rock in winter, Tung Lung Jiao, the little island to the east of Hong Kong. Oh, I've just met, is that the Jumanji Island? Never heard uh, of that. Oh, there's a... Anybody heard of it? It's, it's <laughs> a thing, it's a thing. <laughs> I've honestly never heard of any Jumanji Island here in Hong um, Kong. Yeah, it's a... It's uh, an island, I guess it's almost near Shenzhen, so it's, you have to get a ferry from the new territories. No, no, it's not. That. Probably you're talking about Po Toy or something like that. Oh. Okay. Oh, that's the one, that's yeah. the one. So, no, this one is in the, in the mouth of uh, Victoria, Victoria Harbor, oh. in, in between Hong Kong Island and Clearwater Bay. Oh. Yeah. How do you get there, then? Take a boat either from Sai Wan Ho or from Lei Yue Mun. Okay. Yeah, and just 45 minutes, you get there, you walk a little bit, and you start climbing. Oh, nice. Yeah, I love that place. But also, I'd rather go there during winter, because during summer, it can get super hot, super, super hot. Yeah, it just gets so humid. Mm -hmm. I think what I'm liking about, like, say, last week, for example, it was sunny, but it was also crisp. Yeah, dry. Windy and dry. Yes, those conditions are really good. The problem is when it's... 30-something degrees and 100% humidity. Yeah, that is that's so gross. Different. Yeah, <laughs> that's disgusting. Have you ever had, I mean, I mean, with all, I guess, things like this comes accidents and mistakes and injuries and things like that. Mm-hmm. What are some of the injuries or accidents that you've encountered or through your whole experience? Not Hopefully it's only been the usual climbing injuries of grabbing something that you shouldn't grab and then... <laughs> something pops in here and you're out of the game for maybe a month or two or three depending on the severity of the injury Mm. (laughs) that's also one of the reasons i don't go indoors anymore because it's very very easy to get injured going bouldering indoors Mm. because the routes are so short the problems we call them problems indoors they are so short and some of them are just so nasty Mm. the difficulty of bouldering is concentrated only two or three moves sometimes it's just too much Mm. for your poor fingers and they just snap Oof. Yeah. Oh gosh, painful. I imagine as well because you're in like a safe environment that you're probably a bit more like, I'm going to do it. Even though your body's like... Yeah, yeah. yeah. For many people, it's like that. For yeah. Many, I mean, fortunately, that's, that has been the worst thing. But for example, some weeks ago, I have a friend who was indoor bouldering and she fell badly from our problem, maybe two meters. And even though she landed on the mat, she broke her knee. Oh, no. Yeah, indoors. Wow. So, so it can happen. It can happen. That's quite bad. Yeah. Knee, broken knee as well. Yeah, that's and that's, that's you're out of the game for, I don't know how long it will take the Probably knee. Probably like three months. Or more. More, maybe. Yeah. And that's Oof. that's only to regain mobility on your knee. Yeah. Then get back on to the level that you were at, climbing or whatever else you were doing. It's going to take a while, right? Yeah. I'm pretty sure you cannot go straight back into jiu-jitsu after you break a bone. No, no, absolutely. Yeah, you're totally so, right. Fortunately, I have never broken a bone, fortunately. Yeah. And I hope I don't. Yeah. 
Lots of these. Sorry, sorry, sound. Yeah. Sorry, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's. I, fortunately, I haven't been injured doing what I do. Yeah, fortunately. good. Because Brian was telling um, telling me about how people can sometimes just what well, the ropes are too short, so they just like go off the end of the rope. Of the mm. rope. Yeah. yeah, it has happened. Oh my gosh, not to me, but I've seen it. Yeah. Scary stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's, I mean, also part of the personal responsibility is something else that I like about climbing. That's also one of the reasons I like to only climb with one person each time. Mm. When we go out climbing, a lot of people like the social aspect of it. They like to go in a group of 10 or even 20 people mm. and climb with each other. But me, personally, would rather climb only with one person or two people tops each time because that way I can pay attention to my friends mm. and I can demand my friends to pay attention to me when I'm climbing. Mm. And by paying attention, I mean that they belay me mm. safely. A lot of people don't belay safely and a lot of people don't belay safely because they are chatting with each other. Mm. Because they are talking to each other, not paying attention to their climber. When, when you are climbing, when you are belaying, your attention should be focused 100% on your climber. And that's it. On keeping your climber as safe as possible. Mm. I like this uh, element of personal responsibility. It reminds me of like, say if you're a skydiver, you don't ask someone else to pack your parachute. Mm-hmm. You're gonna you pack do it your your on your own. Yourself. Yes. Yeah. I like that as well. Yeah, I think that's quite good. And uh, I mean, yeah, it's just interesting. Like, I'm not involved in climbing. I'm not involved in the community. I know a couple people here and there, but not well enough to know the dynamics of, like, how they socialize or how they climb. Mm-hmm. But it does seem like there's a big group of them that go out quite freely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, fine by them. It's just that yeah. I've seen too many accidents or near accidents yeah. happening because of carelessness. And I think it is proven that when you're in a big group, Mm. the chances of someone being careless are increased. Mm. Whereas when you are only two or three people, you can call each other out Mm -hmm. much more easily than when you are 10 or 20 people. Mm -hmm. I agree. I mean, even in classes, I mean, part of the reason why I joined the gym that I joined was because there was hardly anyone in the class. So I knew that there's only so many people to focus on Mm -hmm. so you can get the most out of your training. Yeah. I agree. So That's good. Yeah. No, I like it. It's very, very thorough. You know, a lot of people don't best. like that. A lot of people will tell you, no, I like to climb for the social aspect of it. Okay, do it. It's just that, again, I've seen too many accidents. Yeah. I mean, it's different, different things than different people. Um, yeah. As long as, you know, you're just keeping yourself safe. Mm-hmm. You're getting what you want out of your own practice. Yeah, and you're not in the, you're not actually affecting other people, objectively affecting other people. Yeah, this is the, this is the thing that I found funny about that that post is that you really don't strike me as the type of person that would like sort of interfere with anyone else's, you know, whatever anyone else is doing. I don't know. Thanks. And, yeah, and then then she was very much like meh I think she wrote like because you celebrated you said you know you let out a big yay and she's like criticizing you like trolling you about it 
just thought, what? Go away. Like, you're really not going to be happy for someone, right? They just accomplished something quite hardcore here. And you're just nagging them. <laughs> they <laughs> just don't understand. They don't understand. They really don't get it. Like, yeah. And no matter and no matter how hard I try to explain to them, they will not understand. They don't want to understand. So Yeah. Again, you don't even need to explain to people again, like that. I I just feel that's why I haven't even bothered reading what they wrote. Because no, I know that I'm just going <laughs> to waste my... <laughs> gray matter trying to process whatever it is they're saying at least you know yourself you know yourself well enough i tried to yeah i tried <laughs> no it's honestly it would just be wasted en energy wasted people like that like uh if you're not meant to be friends you're not meant to be friends thanks yeah <laughs> yeah and then what are you so are you out more than this weekend since the weather's still crisp and yeah yeah, I mean... Hopefully not wet, hopefully. Yeah, apparently tomorrow is going to be fine. So yeah. tomorrow we're going to Tunglung. Nice. And uh, Sunday uh, we haven't decided where to go, but yeah, the idea is to climb. Nice. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome to join us if you want. Oh, thank you. I'll be in Moiwo this weekend. Doing what? Hiking? Camping? Maybe hiking, maybe camping. Apparently there's a full moon thing, but I don't really know enough about it. And so. Drinking and carousing? Basically. Yeah. <laughs> not not the healthy kind of weekend that maybe you've got planned. Probably the opposite. <laughs> but, you know, you've got to live a little. <laughs> yeah. Um, anything on today? Are you doing any climbing today or are you just saving that? For we the need to check whether, because it was a little bit wet the, the day before yesterday and yesterday. Yeah. So we need to check whether it's going to be decent enough or we shouldn't risk it. Do you, because you started climbing in Scotland where it's cold and wet and windy, are you ever like, ooh, nice Scottish climb day today? <laughs> 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 well, maybe, maybe. Add a challenge and add a challenge maybe sometime. No? Yeah. I mean, the things that usually when it's cold and windy here in Hong Kong is not wet. Usually. Mm. Sometimes it is. But usually when it's cold and windy, it's not wet. Mm. Whereas if it's wet, it's probably going to be warm. Yeah. Here in Hong Kong. So. Ah, so you probably like, yeah. Yeah. And uh, again, in Scotland, I, I was just starting. Mm. I didn't know what I was doing. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> what I told you about the conditions being awesome in Scotland is what people with a lot of experience do. Mm. But you don't actually go sport climbing no. in <laughs> bad weather. Because what we do is sport climbing. Just climbing with a rope and clipping on bolts and just trying to do the hardest moves mm. and falling safely. That's what we do in Hong Kong mostly and usually that's not what you do in scotland in bad weather mm. when there's bad weather in scotland you will go out into the mountains and try to aid your way up a rock face in the mountains under full scottish conditions meaning wet rock snow frozen grass frozen turf but it will not be the same kind of climbing that we do here in hong kong yeah that will be more alpine climbing where the focus is not quite uh, doing the hardest moves without falling. The focus in that kind of climbing is just getting to the top mm. by any means necessary. Okay. Surviving. Usually it's also surviving. At very high level Scottish weather conditions, the objective is just surviving. Mm. Just trying to do it in the best style possible, but just surviving. That can be quite fun. 
if you like suffering, apparently, yeah, yeah it's very fun. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, and again, it's very good training for higher taller objectives. A lot of the original uh, British expeditions that would go on to conquer several Himalayan peaks in the 1950s, mm. they would first go to Scotland to train mm. under those horrible conditions. Then they would <laughs> go to the Alps to get even more experience, yeah. and then they would go to Himalayas. Oh. Have you ever done any like uh, like any climbing around Asia or like any caves or any valleys? Mm, I've been to Jiangsu. What's you that? Know, you know Jiangsu? It's a it's a little town in Wilin, near Wilin in Wangxi province. Mm-hmm. I've been there a couple of times. It's also the, the same climbing that we have here in Hong Kong, more or less. Same sport climbing. Right. Very nice. And I've also been to Thailand once years ago. It was okay. Mm-hmm. But that's about it. I haven't traveled that much. They've got some like crazy caves in Vietnam, places like that that look really cool. I don't know how. But for climbing or just exploring or. See, I don't know. It might be the your mountaineering stuff or like abseiling into caves and then climbing out of caves and. Mm, Things that for speleology. That's the term. Mm? What's the term for spelunking? Spelunking. Oh, maybe it is that yeah, um, where you're just caving. caving and yeah, then but, r- but when you ca- when you do caving, you don't actually climb. Oh, you upsail into, you explore the cave system, but then you go out by uh, ascending the ropes. Mm-hmm. You don't actually climb using oh, your your own body. Like yeah, no, it's just it's very interesting in that you you need to know your rope techniques mm-hmm. to ascend the rope, but it's not like you do actually climb your way up. No, you just use the rope for progression not for protection when we climb usually we just use the rope for protection Mm. but not for progression have you ever when you're laying out one of those tracks uh i don't know crowd protection yeah yeah what would you what do you call them there's different things knots cams i don't know what they would be called but the knots are the little square things that you jam into a crack right so when you're laying out all the knots so you you say oh gosh that trolley um but <laughs> it's almost gone. Okay, good. Um, so you put it in and say the last one that you had would be how far away from the one that you put? Like how far away do you normally rig yourself in? It depends on the route. But if you're just making the route yourself, like putting the tracks in yourself. Uh, you mean when you're creating your own route? Yeah. How far? Like uh, okay, so you mean when you are creating your own route and you're placing the bolts, you're placing the fixed protection that everyone else is going to use. So it depends. Some people will place a bolt every meter mm. because that's what they like, because they think that you should allow people, if they cannot actually do the moves like on their own, that they can actually clip into those things and then pull mm. and then clip the next one and pull and surmount this section that they couldn't climb on their own okay some people will place a bolt every meter some people will say nope you have to place the bolts every body length so mm. to say or uh, at the crux meaning the section of the rod that has the hardest moves right below the crux and then right after the crux mm. so that if if you fall mid crux you don't fall too long you can go back to right below the crux and then try the moves try the moves Okay. Some people say, nope, wherever you want. So you may have a bolt every three meters, a bolt every five meters, a bolt here, a bolt there, 
a bolt here, then two meters of normal climbing, then the crux, then another two meters of normal climbing, and then the bolt. Mm. It depends. Okay, because that's what I was wondering. I was wondering, like, if you fell, how at like laying a uh, a track, is that what I would say? Yeah, but I don't think you understood me. So placement, placement, the word. placement. Oh. Place a piece of gear. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. So what? What? <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. What I just described is when you are doing a sport route, when you are doing a route that or someone else has already created, that mm. someone else has already set up by drilling into the rock and placing permanent protection there, mm. placing bolts, actual bolts, things that are designed for holding the loads mm. and things that are going to stay there for the next 20 years or so. Okay. So what I just described is that when you're creating the route, you place the bolts wherever you want. Mm. It's up to you. And when you are doing a trad route, mm -hmm. you place protection where you want it and when it's available. Okay. Because, for example, if you have just a crack that goes like this for the whole length of the route, then you can practically place protection almost wherever you want. Mm. But like on this route on the little video, there's not many places where you can place protection. Mm. Yeah. And there's a section where there's no protection at all and you have to brave it and go for it and risk the fall on protection that is kind of low. That's crazy. So have you ever fallen from like a certain length or it's just just your on on this on this route or no, ever uh, ever in like your history of climbing? I mean I have taken many, many long falls. Everyone every climber has taken many long falls. I find even when you climb indoors, I find the hardest part is when you get to the top and you have to like lean back and walk down. <laughs> well, because you're not a climber, but yeah. if you're a climber, you need to learn that you're going to be falling. Yeah. Years ago, 50 years ago, when the sport climbing revolution had not taken place yet, the idea was not to fall because gear was very sketchy. Gear was not rated. Gear was makeshift. Mm. So you were never really sure whether you were going to survive a fall. Mm. So the idea was that the leader of the party, the leader of the rope team, should not fall. But nowadays, because gear is such an advanced state, mm. falling is part of the game. You keep on falling, you keep on falling. When you're doing sport climbing, you know that you're going to fall. And the sooner you accept it, the sooner you accept that you're going to be taking falls all the time mm. and that you're going to be perfectly fine. You're not going to be injured provided that you're falling safely mm. and that your belayer knows what he or she is doing. You're going to be fine. Do you have any tips for falling safely? The usual tips that all climbers should know. You climb with the rope either in between your legs so that you clear it so mm. that your legs don't get tangled on it when you fall, or the rope to the sides, not inside your legs, for the same purposes. Mm. And be aware of your your route, be aware of things below you, because maybe or to the sides, because maybe there is a ledge. Mm. So if you just let go where you shouldn't, you will hit the ledge instead mm. of clearing the ledge. <sighs> it depends. So don't close your eyes. No. Don't um, go. No, ah. no, 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 <laughs> no, you should never close your eyes. You should be aware of what you're doing, where you are. Yeah. Be aware where you're safe to fall, where you're not safe to fall. That's crazy. I mean, obviously, there's sometimes that you have to bail, I imagine, where you're like, you know, your fingers give up or, you know, some or you get like pumped arms mm -hmm. or something. So 
Yeah, sometimes you just have to lower and either ask somebody to retrieve your gear or rest for half an hour and go up and try again or abandon gear. Yeah. It happens. Wow. Gosh, it's also scary, I think, being a belayer. So you've got someone else's life sort of yeah. attached to you. It, it's not quite scary, but it's a lot of responsibility. And a lot of people don't see it that way. A lot of people treat it as just a game or something that they should do, but they are not really paying attention. Mm. And that also has caused many accidents. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's a responsibility. When you're belaying, you, you just said it, you're holding somebody's life in your hands. Yeah. And if Definitely. they fall, you're going up, aren't you? It depends on <laughs> different factors. Right. But yeah, you can be pulled up and you can crash against your climber midair. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that has happened on that route, on the video, that has happened so, so many times. Wow. Yeah, because of bad belaying. Usually, if your belayer knows what he or she is doing and is paying attention, it will be perfectly fine. Mm. You may take a very long fall, what we call a monster weeper. Mm. A monster whipper. Yeah, but <laughs> it will be perfectly fine. Okay. But sometimes the player can get injured precisely because either he or she doesn't know what he or she is doing or the climber doesn't care and the climber does something that endangers the player mm. and then the worst happens, there's a fall and the climber ends up hitting the player and hurting the player. Ouch. You got to have a lot of trust then with your homies. Like you got to have a lot of trust with your belayer. Again, that's one of the reasons why I like to climb only with one or two people each time mm. instead of because when you go out in a group, you may end up climbing with people that you don't really know. People that you have seen, they don't really know how to belay or they don't care about giving a good belay. Mm. But since there's no one else, you will be forced to climb with them. Mm. And if you tell them, I don't want to climb with you, then they will say, chillax, dude. Uh, that was kind of you're like you just don't understand and yeah. you can't get mad at them because they just don't get it and you're like mm, okay mm-hmm. <laughs> that happens yeah I imagine so how do you know the guys then that you're so let's say your 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 homies let's say your homie people that you just start climbing with tentatively carefully checking them out when you are climbing with them you keep an eye on every time that you go up that you move that you are resting that you're clipping you take a look at how they are doing it. You see where their hands are in relation to the rope, to the belay device. If they're not really doing it well, then you call, you call them out nicely, mm. if possible. And things like that. You just start building a rapport. You start building trust, confidence mm. in between. Yeah. Yep. Just like any other, I guess. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You, you, you wouldn't get on a car with someone that you know drives recklessly or in a, like a bicycle fashion. Yeah, or someone that you didn't know. Yeah, same for same for climbing. Yeah, same for climbing. Hmm, that's no, good. I think it's especially, I don't know. I find like bigger communities in Hong Kong. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to rip on anyone or anything, but I sometimes find that even though Hong Kong is a very social city, I do find that it is better to sort of keep things quite small and intimate. Just, you know, people know you. Yeah. People actually care about you. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. And that's all you really need, uh, I think, yeah, for Hong Kong. Definitely, definitely. It's really easy to get carried away with, oh, but do you know this person? I know that person and we know this person and we all do this thing. And yeah, I think it's it's hard to separate yourself, but I think it's probably a better better way of living, I think, for Hong Kong. But it's not that hard, do you? Do you think it's hard? 
To some degree, I think there's quite a high demand to be like socially involved here. I mean, I guess it depends what you do. Like uh, for me, I'm a personal trainer, so it's like you have to be part of the community. You have to um, like people But have to talk you about have you. Do? Or is it because you need to, because otherwise you don't get jobs? I think it helps. I do think it helps. Um, and I think a lot of Hong Kong is very like image-based. So, I don't know. That's why you have to do it, because otherwise you don't get known, you don't get clients as a personal trainer? I think so. I mean, I definitely think it helps. I think it helps to have a presence. I think it helps to have introduction uh, there, like at least passively. Mm -hmm. like, at least people... Like, because for me, I feel like I'm quite a passive uh, in, in the way I put myself out there. Like, I won't go to an event and be like, hello, I'm Ashley. Nice to meet you. Shake mm -hmm. my hand. Here's my card. This is what I do. Look at me. Yeah, <laughs> I just I. sort of <laughs> do the things that I enjoy doing. And I think passively, it, it sort of adds up. And uh, Oh, I like your watch. Same. Mm. Almost the same. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> But I do think, yeah, I, I do think it helps it's not really part of it's not something that i would say i'm very happy or like enjoy doing mm -hmm. but unfortunately you have to do it the world that we live in <laughs> i'm happy that at least here in hong kong you don't have to do it when you're a climber you can just find some friends and go climbing simple as that what's your i mean you say you don't have a vision but do you have like an idea of where you want to take your climbing where you want to go with it no just keep on climbing keep on climbing stay injury free if possible and just have fun mm. and if the opportunity presents itself again to have another one of those yes moments yeah definitely just take it yeah but don't think for a moment that every single route will be available for that mm. simple as it keep it real mm. keep it real only climb what is available to you and by available I mean within your reach because you have worked for it because you know it is within your abilities mm. don't try to do a route that it's beyond your capabilities because mm. on that kind of route you can get injured or you can die so also good life lessons though I have to say <laughs> <laughs> if you want to see them as life lessons then yeah yeah no, I like it I like it a lot Oh, it's been really exciting. Yeah. Like, just hearing from you, like, what it's like. and. But again, you would actually need to experience it on your own. You need to go out climbing to have at least an idea, more or less, yeah. of what all this means. I think we need to act on one of these days while the weather is still fresh. and. Whenever you want. Right now, again, there's not much work going on. Yeah. So <laughs> we can go right now if you want to. the cliffs. We can go right now if you want to. Oh, man, I got shit to do. It's annoying. <laughs> It would be fun. I think it would be loads of fun. Whenever you want. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Can you say the name of the route that you did three weeks ago, Ricardo? Which route? Just describe Lizard and like say it out loud for us if possible. Okay, yeah. So um, you start on a very nice flake. Ah, well, okay. The climb that I did solo two weeks ago is called Lizard. It's a 7A. It means that it's a technically advanced grade, if you want. So it starts on a kind of a flake, a feature of rock, a detached feature of rock. 
you move to the right at the first bolt on a very bad hold then there is a couple other good holes a horizontal break where you match hands then you move your feet to the right to position yourself under that under that hold reach high to a very nasty hold with your right hand turn your body to the left raise up your left foot stand up match hands on another very bad hold and then you get to a very decent very very decent chunky hold that's your rest you can compose yourself there for some minutes then you motor up back to the left like uh, a move that we call a i don't know how you call that move either a gaston or a side pull i like gaston yeah that's what they call it in english that's what they call it nice i don't know how do how do you call it in, di in different languages then you move to the left yep you match hands shift your body to the left the next move i do it in a certain way that other people don't do it i just cross hands and i go to a pinch because there's a crack there that you can pinch but most people that i've seen they do that move they go with left hand first and then they cannot pinch that crack they have to grab it in a weird way and then adjust their hands they do extra moves that i don't like to do mm. actually the first time that i did that route i did it their way i did it other people's way mm. But then, as I got more familiar with the route, I found out that there was actually a, a more efficient way to do it, at least for me. Mm. For other people like me, it's easier to do it my way. Mm. <laughs> anyway, so once you grab that, uh, that pinch, you shift your weight again. Then you go to a, a hold, a decent hold further left. Raise your feet. Do a bit of a move that we call a flag or a ballerina in which you stand only on one foot. You place your other foot behind you and far to the side. Hmm. So you're only on, holding on with one hand and one foot. You go to an undercling, meaning a hold that is mm. like this. It's not like this, it's like, it's like this. Mm. Hold it like this. Raise up your right foot. Then the next move is, yeah, you stand up a little bit on this hole and on this one. Go to a crack where you can only, a shallow crack where you can put two or three fingers. Kind of twist your hand so that those fingers jam on it. Mm. So that it becomes a little bit more secure. That move, again, I do it in a certain way that other people don't do it. I like to just lean against this hole, raise my feet up, grab this one for a second and then stand up a big reach to a joggy hold, a hold that it's very, very decent. Mm. Most people that I've seen, they do it like they grab this one and then they pull here and then they grab something here and then they go to the jog. Mm. But I cannot do it that way because of different heights. Mm. Seems like you just go for one big reach. Uh, for that move, yes. For that move, it's easier for me. Mm. Then once I got this one, I raise up my feet, still staying with my feet to the right of my body. A lot of people, they just go with the crack in front of them, their feet on both sides. For me, it's easier if I just lay back it, if I move like this. Mm. I get to the top of that crack, then nasty hold, far up to the left, open up your feet, and big throw to the last jog. And Ooh. that's it. Yeah. Gosh, big throw. Yeah, the last move. Yeah, and then... <laughs> yep. Oh, that's so cool. I love how much detail there is. Like, yeah, every I was, single I, step. I worked on that route for many, many years. Before I solo did, I 
I decided to do it on thread, placing my own protection, not relying on the protection that other people have placed, mm. not relying on the permanent protection, but placing my own protection, what you see on the video. Yeah. And it's different when you do it on thread than when you do it on sport. Mm. When you do it on sport, you just have to clip one thing, clip the rope and continue. Clip mm. one thing, clip the rope and continue. But when you're doing it on thread, you have to figure out different positions because mm. the rod was originally created in the sport mentality. Mm. So the, the protection was placed, the permanent protection was placed, thinking how would you rest, mm. how would you clip this when you're just focusing on doing the hardest moves and clipping for protection and keep on going up. Mm. Whereas when you're doing it on thread, you have to figure out new ways True. of placing the protection, which will not be the same ways as when clipping bolts. Mm. And you also have to figure out your own places to rest, mm -hmm, I imagine. Mm -hmm, yep. And it, it, placing the protection, placing your own protection, your knots and your cans, is more finicky mm. and will take longer to figure out. Mm. Sometimes you have to place them a little bit blindly. Mm. You cannot see where you're placing. You know that you need to place them here, but maybe there's some constrictions inside the crack that you cannot really see. So you mm. have to feel it all the while holding on to uh. yeah. so it will take oh. a greater level of stamina and fitness doing it on thread so when and i first composure as well i imagine when i first started considering doing doing that that route on thread i had already done it several times on sport in sport using the bolt using the permanent protection mm. so it was a matter of figuring out the traditional protection first, the knots and the cams, mm -hmm. and then figuring out the sequences and the stances in which I could place them. And I found out that I was pumping out mm. by trying to fiddling with the gear. I, I was getting tired because yeah. the stamina that you have for the route when you only have to worry about clipping something that's already there is different. It's than a bit more dynamic, I think. You can move mm, a little more. No, it's yeah. more static, actually. You have to stop oh. and stay longer on the route trying to fiddle in the gear. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So w when, you're, when you're adding in the mm -hmm, bits, then mm -hmm. you're more static. That's yeah. why it's tiring. Yeah. Yes. You have to mean. spend longer on the route than when you don't have to worry about your own protection. Yeah. So it took me a long time working, doing the route over and over and over and over to get super familiar with the moves, trying to find the more efficient, the most efficient sequences. Mm -hmm moves that I found out I could do that other people didn't do, but I needed to do if I wanted to save some energy mm. for the next moves up there. Mm. Because I knew that doing it on thread would take a lot more energy than doing it on sport. So mm. I had to figure out sequences and moves that would allow me to do it more efficiently. And all that years and years and years doing that route almost every week, almost every week, mm. two or three times per session, mm gave me a very intimate understanding of the route. Yeah, <laughs> drills, drills, drills. Yeah, so you memorize the route. You literally memorize the route. And when I finally made it on track, when I finally sent the route, did the route without falling, placing my own protection a year ago, that's when I started thinking, okay, I know the route by heart. And now that I do it on bolts, without placing my own protection, but with the protection that someone else has already placed, I get to the top and I'm not pumped. I'm mm. super chill. I'm mm. super relaxed because my body's already used to the rigors of placing my own gear. So when I don't have to place my own gear, I do it almost automatically and without getting tired. That means that I could solo it mm. because 
now there is almost no chance that I will fall off at the top because a lot of people fall off at the top because they are tired. Mm. But since I'm already, it's like training with weights. Yeah. If you do pull-ups with weights, when you do them without weights, you feel that you are much lighter, right? Yeah. Same here. So I kept on training for almost a year, doing the route still on track, still doing it, placing my own protection so as to keep the stamina up. Mm. And on the very a few occasions in which I wouldn't do it on track, I would do it in sport, clipping, my, clipping someone else's protection, I would notice that, yeah, my stamina was still higher than this route. Mm. So that's when I started thinking, okay, let's solo it. Let's solo it when temperatures go down. Let's solo it. Let's keep on training, mm. but then let's solo it when the time comes. And mm. it came. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> um, I have another question. So all this preparation, all of this thought, uh, all this knowledge of the track, um, the day that you felt, okay, temperature's right, conditions are right, was there, I mean, what was your, how did you feel? Like, what was, yeah, what was going through your mind the day when you were like, oh, today's the day? No, it, it wasn't that day. I mean, I had already decided to do it on that week because I had been looking at the forecast. So mm -hmm. I said, okay, probably this week. And I, I was supposed to climb with someone on that day, but since that person bailed the day before, I was like, okay, then I'm going to solo it tomorrow. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, I had already been thinking about it. So it wasn't just a spur on the moment of the moment decision. I already knew that I was going to do it eventually. So With I or without help. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so crazy. <laughs> and again, it, I had already been preparing for it. Yeah. I knew the window of opportunity was closing. That's yeah. why I just went and did it. It's not a doubt in your mind then, I guess. A little I bit of, a little bit doubts because it is, like I said on the video, it's not a gimme. Yeah. Even though I've done that route many, many, many times, it can still spit me out. Because it's a hard route. It's actually, even though it's rated 7A, a lot of people think that it's a hard 7A. Some people say that it's not 7A. They say that it's 7A+. Plus. Mm. It's a hard route. So when you do it without a rope, you know that the stakes are super high, the highest. Mm. <laughs> so, I mean, y there is a little bit of doubt. There's always a little bit of doubt. But you have, if you're going to solo, you have to shut that doubt down, mm -hmm. not let it affect you. Of course, assume the consequences, the possible consequences. If you don't want to assume the consequences, then don't do it. Mm. If you want to assume them, then okay, deal with the consequences and learn how to manage your fear and your doubts because mm. otherwise you are going to definitely die or fall. Mm. That is definitely managing your fear. And mm. yeah. There, on that day, aside from that route, I soloed all the routes at that same venue to get in the mood. I started with very easy things that I've already soloed before mm. to get in the mood, to get into the soloing mindset. I'm thinking, okay, I'm climbing without a rope. I'm climbing without any protection. Like normalize it in some way. Yeah. And then I did a route, another route that I had already done many, many times before, but I had not soloed before. And that route is like 60, 60 plus. It's easier than the other route, but mm. it's still a little bit hard. It's very fingery, very, mm. very fingery. Mm. And the crux of the hardest move on that route is at the very top. You climb most of the route and you get to the top, but there is a very good rest mm. 
there's a couple very good holds for your hands and also footholds mm. where you can rest, compose yourself before you surmount the slight overhang, the slight little leaning Ooh, part. Yes. How exciting! And <laughs> when I was at that rest, looking up, shaking, chalking up, I started thinking, should I bail? Should I do it? Mm. Should I bail? Should I do it? Because mm. you're at the very good rest. You know that if you want to bail, you can just move a meter to the left and down climb a very easy route that you have there. Mm. And you know that the next moves on the route that you're doing are a little bit thin. There are some nasty holes there that I have never fallen off, but still they never feel 100% secure. Ugh. And it's also a feel because they're like this, you can't really yeah. see them. No, you can yeah. see them, you know where they are. Okay. I have done that route many, many times, but I knew that those holes and they are like, oh, uh, <laughs> so I started thinking I started thinking should I do it should I bail should I do it should I bail oh. I was very very close to not doing it what did you s tell yourself in your head I was just thinking should I do it 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 body says go <laughs> yeah and eventually I just said okay fuck it Whoa. yes <laughs> Today is the day for doing things. Yeah. And I knew that. <laughs> I, I thought that if I didn't do it, then I would be kicking myself in the butt for a very long time or forever. I didn't know if I would ever have good enough conditions to do it. So mm. that's why I said, okay, let's do it. <sighs> I, but I was very close to bailing on that rat, to chickening out on that rat. Oh, well done. Thanks. Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, I can only imagine what your mom... <laughs> how she feels she when she's doing uh, these she things. I'm going to send her the link for the podcast. But <laughs> I don't know if she will listen to it. But I'm, I'm sure she will. Yeah. Say hi, mom. And she, uh, she will not <laughs> like it. She's always giving me crap about it. Yeah. That's mom's though, right? Yeah, You're I know. a baby. I know. Yeah. Oh, they love us so much. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, I haven't, I haven't been back to home. Mm for years and years and years and she knows that she cannot really stop me doing things so <laughs> <laughs> the only thing she can do is tell me to be careful and I tell yeah. her yeah I'm trying to be careful mom don't worry yeah I'm trying to do it as safely as possible oh yeah keep doing that keep doing I'm that I'm trying make I'm mom trying. proud I'm trying yeah oh good oh well, is that yeah good I think we did a good job alrighty yeah can you believe an hour has gone by more than an hour is it? Yeah. Oh, how about that? Well, you're not on Instagram. Nope. Although yeah. I do, I do <laughs> lurk on Instagram sometimes. Oh, you're a lurker. Sometimes. <laughs> I, d I don't have an account. I don't have an account, but I do lurk on someone. Some okay. People. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's all coming out now. Yeah. All right. So no Instagram. Um, are you on Facebook or are there yeah. any groups like slacklining? How do people, you know, find out more about your climbs or you or about me personally or yeah how do people join you on climbs or how do people find you or i mean they can friend me on facebook if they know me if <laughs> if i know them or if i see that they are friends with friends mm. then we can start chatting but if i just i'm just contacted by random people I don't know if I will say, uh, yeah, sure, <laughs> let's be friends. <laughs> this is the best, the best answer I think we've ever had in the podcast. <laughs> it's, it's I love it. <laughs> it's the natural <laughs> thing to do, right? Yeah, I mean, would you ask, just, would you add random people that just contact you out of the blue? 
Sometimes, yeah, but that's because it's what I, for work. Uh, Someone well, wants to follow me, follow me. Yeah, because <laughs> you, you do it for the for the uh, online presence. Exactly. No, but yeah. best best answer, Ricardo. It's been like a real pleasure. Thanks. Getting to know you Thank and you. finding out more about your crazy climbs. Um, yeah, keep us posted on everything that you do, and we should do like a group. A group climb yeah, one of sure. these days. It I mean, just fun. also help me convince Brian to follow me around because sometimes I tell <laughs> him, sometimes I tell him, hey, dude, I'm going to try to do this. I'm going to do this. Do you, you want to take some video? You want to take some pictures? And he's like, oh, I'm busy with the baby. Oh, I'm busy. <laughs> I'm busy shooting. I'm busy shooting ripped guys and sexy yoginis <laughs> doing stuff at Shekel. Uh, that baby excuse, though. Come yeah. on, really? <laughs> but even before the baby it was like that so, <laughs> so now it's just uh, one more excuse yeah we, sh- we should definitely get something in the books because uh whenever yeah. you want no i've really enjoyed our chat today yeah, it was fine thanks yeah thank you let us know if you do anything else that's crazy and yeah i'll let you know like, yeah thank you cool thanks to you Yay. thanks guys for listening and watching to uh the flow space podcast please like and subscribe to our page on youtube you can also download our episodes on spotify um on our youtube you'll find all the clips and the videos of past episodes um i hope you enjoyed our chat uh, with ricardo and picked up some tips and trades of mindset and sports climbing or whatever it is that you got from our conversation i hope you enjoyed it <laughs> you can find us also on instagram at flowstate.media Um, and myself at underscore E-I-G-H-M-A-R-T-S. I hope it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh.